0: not even death by suicide can separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus, our Lord.
1: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Elevate Retake. My name is Kelvin, happy to be back with you. We took a break last week, didn't have an episode, um, but we are back and ready to pump out some some amazing content for you guys for the next few weeks and uh, hopefully it can be a blessing to whoever's listening, um, this is an interesting episode. I've been wanting to do this for a little bit now. Uh, we did this oof, months ago, but it's just me and Pastor Michael at the studio. Hey, everybody. And, uh, how are you? It's been a while.
0: Yeah, it has been a few weeks. I'm tired today. There's just been a, a lot going on. Which I think we'll get to unpack a little bit in this episode. But it's good to be here. Yeah. We're in the studio, the beautiful padded room, the one that was the dream and the vision Uh six months ago, and Kelvin's just been rocking and rolling with some fantastic guests and conversations in this space. So it's my privilege and honor (laughs) to come back into the studio with you, my friend.
1: Well, praise the Lord. I think he's done a magnificent uh, work, I think, through us in this room. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's been a lot of people that have been blessed. Yeah. And, uh, hey,
0: we passed 8,000 plays. That's right. I saw that. This month on the podcast total yep. for all time. In two years, we got 8,000 plays. So thank you, listeners. Yep. Absolutely. You guys.
1: We'll we'll reach 10K in... Let's see. We got to challenge them now. Hey, I think May. We got to hit it by 10, May. 10K by the end of May. Ooh. Perfect.
0: Yeah. 10K by the end of May.
1: So uh, this is pretty cool. Last time I sat in the, the studio and did this with Pastor Michael, we were in his office. Yeah. And it's a whole new different ballgame now. So uh, happy that you're here, Pastor Michael. We are concluding at least your portion of the series, Hope Has a Name. And it's been an unbelievable blessing for me. And I know many people that have sat in the same seats that are here and just talked about it and said how much we've needed a message in a series like this. And so we're going to get to that in just a second. But recently, Pastor Michael, what has made you... Who you are. <laughs>
0: that question doesn't catch me off guard anymore. Yeah, no. Probably doesn't our listeners either. Nope. Or our guests, right? Well, no, they, they know. <laughs> they do. They do. Uh, what makes me who I am? I I've been incredibly busy the past couple months. Um, part of the reason why I haven't been on the podcast. Uh, there's been a project brewing kind of in the in the dark room, so to speak, in in my life that I shared a little bit with our in-person audience this past week, and I'm excited to share with you guys. There is a film that is set to premiere here in just over a week called Return to Palau. And it documents uh, my wife's experience losing her family at a very young age um, through an incredible tragedy while they were in the mission field and how God brought about forgiveness and reconciliation to um, their family. Uh, And uh, yeah, I don't wanna give away too much. Many many people will probably know the Depaiva story and Melissa Depaiva And uh, part of how this connects to our question of what makes me who I am, I get to be Melissa's husband on this trip. That's right. So normally in this community, it's Pastor Michael and his wife, Melissa. And uh, on this trip, I get to go with Melissa and be, oh yeah, that's uh, her her husband. Uh, So I'm excited about that. The film premieres. it's It's an hour and a half long documentary that is just amazing. We've been sitting on it since, not sitting on it, but we got the chance to see it last May, 2021 kind of in its uh, final draft form. And then there was a couple of tweaks to get like the final, final um, product together by last August. And just amazing. Um, the, the filmmakers, the storytelling, uh, 100% archival footage and on-scene filming and interviews with people in Palau, people in the family, uh, and those that were um, a part of the community at the time during the um, loss of her parents and her brother. So incredible story of forgiveness. I married up, I married into this story and it's continued to transform my life. And I'm, I'm thankful to be Melissa's husband on this trip.
1: So if, if someone, I wanted to ask this, if someone wanted to kind of follow along and kind of see maybe your trip, I don't know if you're going to be documenting stuff or posting mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. where can people kind of check uh, this all out? Because I think it's worth mentioning. You did it for your in-person audience yeah. on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Where can people follow with what's going on
0: so we have a facebook page i think they call it a page i'm not i (laughs) had to get into facebook to to be able to do this stuff and we've got an instagram account uh and the handle is return to palau return to palau um palau is spelled p-a-l-a-u and we'll have links to that in the description so you can just click see more and get yourself over to the pages uh but as of the recording of this episode we are um, about 36 hours away from leaving and when this episode drops we will be somewhere in the air between uh, the DFW area of Texas in the U.S. and the island nation of Palau. So you guys can follow along. We're going to have lots of pictures and stories that come out of it. And then for our immediate community here in Keene, we're going to have a premiere of the film here in our community on April 8. So it premieres in Palau March 16, which is a week from Kind of, kind of a week and a half from where we're recording this. And then uh, we're about a month away from the premiere here in Keene. So if you're in the DFW area, you can come out and see the film on April 8th at 7.30 at the Keene Seventh-day Adventist Church in Keene, Texas. That'll be here. That'll be here. Inside. Okay. Inside in the sanctuary. Awesome. And something really cool about it is that the filmmakers will actually be traveling here for that premiere. Wow. So we're going to have an opportunity to have a Q&A with them afterwards, the filmmakers and the producers, along with Melissa. Uh, to be able to hear some kind stories from, yep. yeah, yeah. So hear some stories from behind the film and uh, what went into it, and kind of the, the vision for going forward. And then hopefully, if you're not in this area or you're not traveling to Palau or in Palau, um, we are going to be releasing it online on a streaming platform sometime uh, in the coming months. I don't have details on that yet that I can share. Our global distribution team is working on that very diligently to make that happen. Um, but coming to a screen near you, large or small.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's unbelievable. I, uh, you get kind of the chills and goosebumps just thinking of the story and yeah. how far it's come to now, to now this amazing project that you guys got to be a part of, yeah. uh, especially there, premiering it there and being there. Yes. Um, yeah. I think it's going to be phenomenal. So yeah.
0: it's incredible for the nation. It hit the, it plows a small nation, so right. it's not, it's not super big. So everybody knows the story. Uh, it's a moment of healing and a moment, moment of reconciliation for them. Uh, and so I just, those of you that are listening, if you can pray for us, um, follow along with the story, you know, if, if God impresses on your heart, you know, share the trailer, you can share it on Instagram. You can share it on, on Facebook. It just helps get the word out a little bit more, um, about this incredible story. Uh, and the trailer even is a tearjerker. So, you know, get some tissues out, get ready to cry, um, and just bask in the story of God's goodness, um, from beauty, from ashes. Um, it's kind of uh, how I've been able to articulate this story.
1: I think that's the best way to describe it. God's goodness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. God's goodness. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm happy for you. You are just a couple day and a half away from yeah from from going there th- yeah. at the recording of this episode. So, guys, yeah. make sure and check out everything in the description. But we we felt that it was worthy to mention that um, yeah before we before we tackled today's episode. Yeah. Um, I guess if I had to answer that question. Was talking with Pastor Michael as we were getting ready to record, and I think recently for me, it's been my church community. What has mm-hmm. kind of made me a little bit who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, our our leadership team for the for the youth at at my church has been uh, I don't know how to say this maybe a breath of fresh air. Yeah, and it's been nice. Yeah, and so recently we've had a lot of meetings, and we have a lot of projects in place for our young people, and nice. hopefully God could just lead. But I've kind of seen myself in that. In that little community over the past awesome. few weeks, so awesome. So, all right, let me start with this. This is your last message in this series. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get into the nitty and gritty, was there was there something you kind of wanted to make sure and leave everybody with with your last with your last message? Um. That's a good
0: question uh, from the outset of the the series, um, this particular message had always been pegged as the the role that the community plays mm. in in our individual mental health uh, the responsibility that we have as a community to look out for one another. so I think for this message in particular to 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 uh, exit the room, so to speak so if we've been in the room of hope has a name and we've been living in that space for the pap- past couple months, as we exit the door, the blessing is as we go forth from what we've learned from scripture and seen uh, the importance of mental health and what the gospel has to say about that, that is as, as we exit and perhaps go out into the world, that we realize the responsibility we have towards one another, uh, that it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay there. Right. And so as, as we check in with the people around us to be authentic to ourselves, And to be authentic with them, uh, sharing where we are in our journey and uh, making safe spaces for them to be able to do that. And for us to be able to surround one another and truly be a community and not pretend like we do just because we happen to worship under the same roof Mm -hmm. or live in the same town, but to really be about the, the care of one another.
1: Yeah. I love that throughout every message, whether it was you or a guest speaker, there was a drop of that in every message Mm -hmm. um it it wasn't you know we didn't have to go searching for that idea of being around people and going Mm -hmm. to people it was given to us every week a little bit by a little bit and so now to finish up uh i felt like the message was god-driven and perfect Mm -hmm. way to to kind of wrap up at least Mm -hmm. your side of things because there'll Mm -hmm. be some some speakers for the next couple weeks yeah
0: Um, Yeah. Which just a quick word on that. So I, you know, I I prayed about the series and kind of set it up right at the turn of the new year uh, and kind of pegged this weekend, knowing that I was going to be going to Palau. And then April just kind of gets funky in our community. There's (laughs) alumni weekend with our university and then there's Easter and then we're throwing a communion in there and just then there's graduation weekend and it's hard to do a series and I like to preach in series. Uh, And so and then spring break to boot in in March. right? Right. So coming up in the next few weeks, you're going to hear from uh, some different friends of mine. You're actually going to hear from my dad next week. He's he's going to be the speaker uh, and share some insights from his journey uh, and uh, his time away from Jesus and then with Jesus. So I'm Mm -hmm. excited for that. And then a couple people um, after that that will be lending their voice in a kind of testimonial fashion to Hope Has a Name. Uh, And so Hope Has a Name isn't done yet. Uh, but in terms of the, the content of the cur- curriculum is kind of a, too much of an academic word that I want to use for it. But <laughs> the content that I really wanted to hit, this is where we finish, but we're not done. And we kind of go into the after party um, and kind of let the, let the embers continue to, to burn and kind of yeah. slowly um, die out. Not that we're ever done addressing mental health, but that the emphasis that we're placing on it, we give it a little bit of a rest. Yeah.
1: Something, and, something that we can take on from here and every day for the rest of our life. Exactly. Yeah, Exactly. So you mentioned a, you kind of referenced a Bible story mm-hmm. as you went throughout your message. Mm-hmm. And before I ask my first question, I kind of want you to maybe set the scene just a little bit. Where are we? What's Jesus doing? Sure. And uh, what, what's what's the scene looking like?
0: Yeah. So this story is found in Mark chapter two and Luke chapter five. Um, I specifically um, chose to preach out of Mark chapter two. Um, and I'll share why, um, here in a moment, uh, but it's the beginning of Jesus ministry. He's been baptized. He's gone out into the wilderness, uh, and he's he's begun his public ministry where he starts to do the Jesus things that we know. Uh, and he's been healing people. People know about it. He's been having compassion towards one another, uh, towards other people. And, uh, there's this, just this moment where the, the crowd has started to assemble and they're gathered in this individual's house. And in the middle of Jesus sharing a word with this community, there's some people that are desperate to get a friend in front of Jesus because they know the only way that their friend could be healed. Uh, this guy is, is completely paralyzed uh, and he is in need of healing. And the only way that they can for sure know that he can get healing is to get him in front of Jesus. But the crowd is too packed, right. it's too tight. Uh, and so they start pulling away the ceiling of this house Probably before home insurance was the thing, yep, um it was it's the first recorded airlift or yeah. airdrop in yeah. history, and they lower the dude through the ceiling in front of Jesus' feet, and Jesus recognizes their faith and he heals him, yeah, and he walks out of that space a new man, yeah, um, and so that's the story that's that's where we're at, mark chapter two or Luke chapter five,
1: so jesus in that in that verse, it says that he sees his friend's faith mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. and kind of their determination to okay, fine. We can't get it through a door or window. We're going to find a way. We have to break this house apart yeah. to get our buddy in front of Jesus. Yeah. What's so important about, because I've heard the story a lot, and kind of the first time that I've dug into it. What's, what's the significance of Jesus seeing his friend's faith first before even like having a conversation with the guy? Yeah. You know, he, he, yeah. he notices his friends. Is there something of importance there? Yeah,
0: I think so. Uh, there's nothing in the story that alludes to this gentleman's repentance or even maybe necessarily willingness to be there. So there's nothing that tells us that he was and there's uh-huh. nothing that tells us that he wasn't. So it's hard to make uh, any type of uh, value statement or a theological implication from his experience. But what is told of us is that Jesus recognized the faith of the people that carried him. And to me, that says that there's something about my care and compassion for the people around me that Jesus really cares about. And so he recognizes in them that they, they know that Jesus is the guy. And if they can get their friend in front of Jesus, that things are going to be okay. Jesus honors that. He honors that. And they're probably thinking about, man, we can get this guy healed. And Jesus says, yeah, and I'll show you one more thing. I can forgive his sins. Yeah and that's what get the that's what gets the Pharisees out of whack and i'm sure we'll get there in our conversation uh, in this episode but jesus recognizing the faith of the people that carried him was the impetus for him to forgive the the paralytic and you know you can go, you can go down the presumptive road that like oh if i just pray for people then like god will forgive them and i can make assumptions about where they are in their journey um, and you know it's the the speck and log kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? Where mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I need to pray for the speck in your eye so Jesus can forgive that. And I got the log on my own. But what I see in this is the care and compassion of the community. And when the community surrounds someone and brings them before Jesus, whether either literally, and we do this with anointing services, we do this with prayer session, sessions of prayer, or to do it in kind of the more spiritual way of you're lifting that person up in your own personal, private prayer or being the hands and feet of Jesus to them. You're doing everything that you can to get them in front of the feet of Jesus. And when we do that, Jesus recognizes it.
1: Is there a lesson on friendship here? Are the people that kind of we, we surround ourselves by? And I guess my my question would be, do our relationships and the community that we're surrounded with affect the the hope that we may have mm-hmm. in life?
0: Mm-hmm. I, absolutely. I, I think that because this dude couldn't do anything. Like he he's, he's paralyzed. Yeah, couldn't move. Yeah, and so whether he's paralyzed from the legs down or from the neck down, both of those in their society cause him to be incapacitated. Because their society, in the same way that ours is, we have a few accommodations um, for the people with disabilities, right? So we've got wheelchairs, we've got ramps, and we got glasses for seeing impaired, and you know, all that, our society's built for those so people can get around. In his society, if you don't have legs, <laughs> you're stuck on the side of the road begging. And then if you don't have legs and you don't have arms or working legs and arms, you, you're you totally dependent upon the people around you. And so there's significance to that as we uh, either take that literally or metaphorically to our relationships that we need each other. We need each other to survive. We need each other to, to, to have our needs met. And when I recognize a need in someone else and don't do anything about it, then I'm not truly living out what Jesus has called me yeah. to to do. But when I recognize the need of somebody else, and then I've got the opportunity to like, ah, I gotta get you in front of Jesus. I can I can I can do that.
1: Yeah. And that's kind of been one of the the pushing points of uh of this series. It's mm-hmm. like the the people that are around you, <clears throat> excuse me, you have to be able to go to them so that then they can take you to Jesus here at the end, or they can they can find a way to get you whatever help. Um yeah you may need. And I like how this story kind of inadvertently talks about that. It's like the people you surround yourself with, the community that you're around. Yeah. Has a big impact on. It does. On on where your hope is. It does. And, uh,
0: and maybe I don't even recognize that I need to go before Jesus. Yeah. And maybe it's someone taking me and be like, hey, hey, here's a word for your life. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I, I think it goes both ways.
1: Yeah. We're going to put you on this mat. You're not going to move. <laughs> and we're going to take you. Yeah. And you're going to have, you're just going to go with it. Trust yeah. us, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So here comes very practical Kelvin. Can you think of a a moment where maybe you were rock bottom in some way and a community or a friend maybe got you out of it? Uh, maybe where yes. a friend took you to Jesus and you mm. didn't even know you needed it.
0: Mm. Let me think about that. I know there's been several. And to think about one that speaks specifically to, to this instance,
1: as you think, I I bring the question up because, um, you know, you mentioned us losing a student <clears throat> in our community, mm-hmm. and I mentioned to you how I had a very close friend of mine uh, take his own life as well, mm-hmm. and I just think there's moments where, as friends, <clears throat> boy, I'm just coughing like crazy today. <laughs> I think there's moments as friends in a community we have to be able to recognize when our brothers and sisters are at a point point, yeah, and we have to be able to help them get out of there. yeah. And so that's yeah. kind of where my question stems from. If
0: Yeah. No, no, no. For sure. For sure. Uh, I think one that I want to share is, uh, you know, we all know this thing called the pandemic and COVID-19, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Still going on? Still going on. Okay. Uh, I saw something today, someone posted like, hey, it was two years ago this week that this was the last normal week of our lives. at the recording of this episode Uh, march Uh, March 13th yeah right we're coming up on two years of doing this thing right and i remember heading into that kind of you know excited nervous we were doing some digital stuff here in our community and like things were going well uh and then the fatigue started to set in and the isolation just from people because we're all the government was like hey y'all need to stay home and we're like (laughs) sure okay and I remember r- r- seriously reaching a breaking point and I had a moment where I'm just in tears and I'm like, I'm, I'm physically shaking with just anxiety and I'm just, I'm completely overwhelmed. And, um, this is, at, at night, my, my wife and I have been talking about, uh, you know, maybe trying to get away for a bit, but then being nervous about, nervous about the pandemic and not wanting to you know take on uh unnecessary risk but then also recognizing the Uh. need to uh you know remove ourselves for a bit take a vacate try to get away or whatnot and i I remember the discussion kind of got to a point of like can we afford it or like where should we go what can we do and i just lost it like i was i was just so much desirous of like i want to push the reset button i want this to stop i need to get away uh, and I remember in the middle of that conversation, my wife's tone changing and she just embraces me and says, it's okay. We're in this together. Like God's called us to this and I recognize how much you're, you're pouring in and like, it's making a difference in people's lives and like, let's figure out a way to make this happen because we need to, and all springs brings tears to my eyes. Think about, um, the care and compassion that she had for me. And then she pointed me back to Jesus. Uh, of how he was providing for us and prepared us, and and uh, would be someone who would who would walk with us. So yeah, that's been that's been my experience.
1: I love that. I uh, I thought about my first time coming to Southwestern, mm-hmm. and we had moved here, and I knew I wanted to try something new, and I knew I wanted to be here, and uh, but you know when you ever whenever you go to a new place, even if you want to go to a new place, there's always part of you it's like. Man, this kind of sucks. I don't know anybody here. And yeah. Uh I relied on two of my best friends big time. Yeah. Uh one in California lives there now, but one back in Tennessee who just kind of told me, look, man, you're you're there and your family's there for a reason. And yeah. man, you just kind of kind of follow what God's plan is. And so I relied heavily on those two people still do to this day. Mm-hmm. Um and so I love this message because at the end of it all, um, we 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 got the sense that of how just important community is, mm-hmm. and how people can take us to the feet of Jesus mm-hmm. for healing. You know, I love mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, you said something interesting in the message. You talked about uh, suicide being a symptom of sin. Yeah, and maybe tell me if this question makes sense. <laughs> Sometimes I write stuff down. <laughs> and I'm like, is this even gonna make sense when I actually ask the question coming out of my I mouth? It happens way? to
0: me when I write sermons. I'm like, yeah. is this gonna is <laughs> this gonna hit I yeah. don't know. <laughs> it, it feels
1: really good when you type it or write it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. When you actually blurt it out, it's different. Yep. So yep. how how do I know if I'm being trapped by a symptom and maybe not the disease itself? Does that make sense? How do, like maybe not the real problem? And does maybe the devil use a symptom as a distraction? To keep ah. us away from a bigger, sure issue.
0: Sure, yeah, I think I touched on that in a little bit in the message in talking about how we we like to diagnose each other's symptoms yeah. often, and then we 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 talk about each other's issues on the level of symptoms and not on the disease itself. So yeah, I think absolutely because the question comes around when su- with suicide, um, people wrestle with that, right? Um, and you can very quickly theologically go, well, it. It says in the Bible that we're not supposed to murder, not supposed to take someone's life. And when you commit suicide, you're taking your own life. And that's against the law of God, right? And then we're quick to condemn that person be like, oh, that person is is a sinner because of that. How can God forgive? Because they committed it and then they're not alive to ask for forgiveness. And it just, it spirals down in a very uh, unhealthy hole. Uh, And yeah, I would describe it as a hole. Yeah. (laughs) That's a hell hole. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, and so, yeah, the, the symptoms can distract us from the disease because what Jesus came to save us from is not the symptoms. Correct. He came to save us from the disease. And if he saves us from the disease, then the symptoms are taken care of. And I was talking to a pastor friend of mine afterwards, after I had preached this, he was, he was there to, um, to hear the message and he pulls me aside. he's, you know, and he says, and I haven't verified this, so our fact checkers fact checkers, can go check it out. And he says seven times in scripture is suicide explicitly talked about or it's part of the narrative that someone commits or, or suicide or takes their own life. And n- in none of those instances is suicide condemned at the level that suicide has been condemned in modern Christianity today. And then I didn't have time to look at it in the, in the message because we're, we, were, we were tied on time uh if you look at the example of Samson from the book of judges at the end of his life he's got his eyes gouged out he's mm-hmm. having to to uh to grind grain as an ox would and there's this big banquet at this big banquet hall in the the Philistine the country of the Philistines and they bring him out for sport and show and he's chained to the two center pillars of that big banqueting hall, and he prays a prayer and he says, "God, may my death bring more glory to you, or right, something along as I'm paraphrasing right now, but okay. may 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 more Philistines die because I, I die than than would live." And he pushes the pillars aside, and commits suicide. He knows he's going to kill himself, and in the process, kills all of the the rest of the Philistines that are in the in in the room. And then the story says, oh, he killed more Philistines than in his death than in his life. And the story kind of moves on in the book of Judges. But Paul picks it up in the book of Hebrews. And Hebrews chapter 11 goes down through all of the people in the Old Testament who acted by faith. And Samson is included in the chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, the chapter of faith. of He's commended for his faith. And so I you cannot make a one-for-one one comparison of like someone commits suicide that's automatic eternal damnation. And studies have shown scientifically that as you spiral into more and more mental health issues and get to the point of actually legitimately considering uh, committing or attempting suicide, that your mind, there's, there's a diminishing of rational thoughts. That you're no longer thinking on a, on a rational level when you decide to mm. uh, to attempt suicide. And so who are we to judge? Some, uh, a person who's in the, the last moment of their lives, likely the, the, there's a chemical imbalance of the brain. It's not just a personality disorder, something you pray about and get over. Like there's something literally biologically wrong, and the, their only response is to attempt the the act of suicide and who are who are we to judge yeah and suicide is one of the to me one of the most awful symptoms of the sin that someone would be driven to the point that they think that life would be better if they didn't exist anymore and that breaks my heart yeah. you know and our community experienced that this week with uh with Jalen taking his life um, I, I don't know, it's been years since I've talked to him, you mm-hmm. knew him, we were reminiscing before yeah. we pushed record about our previous experience with him. Uh, such a young man that's full of life, a contagious smile. He was gentle and kind, um, came from a great family, you know, the, all of those things, right? We say that about a lot of people, on um, that, that complete suicide. Uh, but we never know what's going on on the inside in the darkness that has started to overwhelm, overwhelm someone's soul. To the point that that's what they what that's what they are 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 willing to do, and so I I know one hundred percent that there's a special place in God's heart for people that take their own lives, yeah. Because it's darkness winning the battle,
1: and 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 you mentioned Jesus's moment on the cross, uh, mm-hmm. where he says forgive them because they 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 have no mm-hmm. clue what they're doing, mm-hmm. um. And you read a quote from Ellen White, and I'm jumping ahead on my notes, but it just, just, go for it. I just love the moment because it makes sense here, where she says that 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 prayer wasn't for the people that were just there, wasn't just Mm -hmm. for the Romans that were still, you Mm -hmm. know, doing what they were doing, or the Jews or the Pharisees that had put them on that cross, basically. It was for everybody ever, like ever, ever. Yeah, yeah. Um, And that made such a big impact with me, and it made me really understand. Exactly what we were dealing with here. How does how does uh, Jesus's moment there and the words that he say go back to go back to this idea of when we want to take maybe our lives we're not entirely sure of mm-hmm. what's going on there. Mm-hmm.
0: So I I think we can we can couch or frame suicide in a couple of ways. Um, there's the immediate moment where where someone. Uh, commits an act of bodily harm that takes their own life, right? That's a very sudden right. space. And that's kind of what we, um, I don't want to describe details of that on this podcast, um, but we, we have that moment in our mind. We can think about when someone literally takes their own life uh-huh. and what that could be like, right? But then there's also something else to think about that when Adam and Eve are in the Garden of Eden and God says, hey, there's the tree of knowledge, good and evil. Uh, and there's the tree of life. Eat from the tree of life and you'll live eat from the tree of knowledge, good and evil, and you're going to die. And he says, you are going to die. And there's a way to think about that. Adam and Eve by eating of the tree of knowledge and good and evil are committing suicide. Mm. Because they're choosing a life without God. And the results um, were not immediate for them, but they plunged this world into sin. Right. And the the enemy won the battle. God's winning the war, but the enemy won that battle, right? And so when we think about suicide, we often think about the immediate moment when, uh-huh. uh, when someone takes their own life. But I think about my own life, and I don't, I, I don't wanna use this illustration to diminish the severity of that kind of suicide, but to use an illustration to tie us back into where, where Jesus was. Each and every one of us, because of sin, are slowly killing ourselves with the choices and the decisions that we make. The foods that we put into our body, the things that we choose to watch, the acts that we choose to to engage in, either pointing us towards God or pointing us away from God. Mm-hmm. And Paul wrestles with this with the man of with the man of sin in Romans 7. He says, I do the thing I don't want to do and I don't do the thing that I want to do. What's where's the rational thought there, mm-hmm. right? And sin affects us to the point that we lose sometimes our rationality. Our rationality is numbed because of sin. And so whether it is in uh, to a lesser degree where we are making decisions that to are the dead or to the detriment of our health or making decisions that will ultimately cost us our life in that immediate moment or, or more long-term, all of us are on a path towards self-destruction. And so what's the difference? Well, the difference is the timing, right? And so when Jesus is on the cross and he's saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. We don't understand the severity of sin. We don't understand the the significant implications that it has for our life. Uh, John Mark Comer points it out in the book, Live No Lies. He talks about how uh, we entertain ourselves with sin. The movies that make it big in Hollywood, blood, guts, <laughs> gore, and sex. Yep. Right. And we'll, we'll, we'll pay the ticket. Now we can do it at home. We got the streaming services. Right. right. Uh, and so, you know, and I don't, I don't want to deprecate anybody's, um, entertainment habits, but I, I do want you to, to think about them. And I got to think about it for myself. You know, my wife and I have the conversation every time we're going to watch a movie or, or watch a TV show there. Sometimes we get into something. We're like, yeah, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't it. Yeah. You know, and, uh, perhaps, you know, we can be called prudish or naive or whatever, but. To think about that we as humans, the the sin of it has infiltrated this world so much. We're so degraded that we entertain ourselves with the thing that's killing us. Right? Mm -hmm. And so when Jesus is hanging on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. I love how Ellen White puts it. She says that prayer embraced the world. And so Jesus on the cross is asking the Father to overlook our irrational thoughts and to forgive us because we don't fully understand what we're doing. Right. I find so much hope in that. Yeah. So much hope.
1: And I don't think we ever will fully understand until we get to heaven, everything that's no. that's that's going yeah. on uh, around us. Yeah. And Jesus could see that level. Yeah. And he knew exactly what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's going to
0: take an eternity for us to sort this out. Yeah. I mean, we're going to be like 207 trillion years down the road and be like, oh, that's it. And God's like, yeah, I've been, I've been trying.
1: It's going to take the, (laughs) it's going to take the full thousand years of us up there for us to finally get. uh, Oh, I think even
0: more than that, man. Might be. For the rest of eternity. For the rest of eternity. we'll We'll be definitely to sort out kind of our understanding of what's going on in this world, but for the rest of eternity, forever approaching the heart of God closer. Yeah. And understanding the nuances
1: uh, of His love, His grace, and His mercy. So, you went on to the story: Jesus heals the man, but there's a there's a weird little instance here, where, of course, Jesus little t- the the shadow of Jesus were the Pharisees. They found a way to get inside mm-hmm. everywhere that He was for some odd reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like that girl that that uh you know when when uh, when you're elementary school it's like that girl picks on you or you pick on the girl because you like her yeah they just like the guy for some reason they just never yeah, would admit yeah, it yeah yeah yep, always yep. following him yeah something about what jesus just did didn't make him happy mm-hmm. what was it and and how did jesus diffuse that situation yeah
0: so part of the reason why i picked mark over luke is that jesus refers to the gentleman on the floor as my son um, luke will call him a young man uh, but mark says that jesus called him son so I chose that one. I just love the familial language there. Uh, and then Jesus says, "My son, your sins are forgiven." And the Pharisees' beef with Jesus is that he wasn't God. And so to claim that you could forgive sins was to claim that you were God. Right. Uh, which is the irony of the whole thing is that the Pharisees, uh, the the people that were serving the temple, upholding the religious law, were part of the system that would help people's right. sins right. be forgiven. Right. Right. So there's there's incredible irony here, and that's not lost on Jesus. And so they're thinking in their minds, this thing, and Jesus is able to read, to read their minds. And he's got the ultimate comeback for him. Cause he's like, all right, which is harder, forgiving sins or causing him to rise up and walk. And he knows that for both of them, it's impossible for them to do both. And so he does the two impossible things. He forgives the guy's sins. And he says, hey, by the way, why don't you pick up your mat and walk? And the dude walks out the door. And they're completely blown away because they know without the shadow of a doubt that Jesus had forgiven his sins as evidenced by Jesus' ability to say, hey, rise up and walk.
1: And Jesus said, forgiving his sins. Um, I don't think I'm incorrect here in saying that anything that was bothering him mentally was also healed at that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, uh, Desire of Ages points this out. Uh, Ellen White in the book Desire of Ages. Um, she adds a little more inti- insight to the story. Um, there's, I-, I believe, some inspiration that she got that's not evidenced in, in the text, and it's kind of the combination of Mark's and Luke, Mark and Luke's story. Um, but she alludes to the fact that the reason this man was paralyzed was because of poor decisions that he had made early on in his life. Ooh. And so he's living out the consequences of his decisions. This isn't a a judgment of God of like you made a bad choice and zap, you don't have any legs or they don't work anymore. But he had made a particular decision whether uh, a a disease came on and it caused him to lose legs or an accident because he was in the wrong, whatever. Whatever it was, he knew that because of the choices that he made, he was in the predicament that he was in. And so for him, it's it's not so much that he was like, man, I can't walk. He was living with the guilt that his bad decisions had caused him to be in the predicament that he was and he didn't see any any way out of it because he wasn't there there's no restoration physically how can there be restoration in my heart and so for him uh and White talks about it too that when jesus said son your sins are forgiven he was he was fine he he didn't he didn't want jesus to do anything else he would have been content to be like ah, th- because that was the thing that was in his mind. Mm-hmm. He could get over not having the use of his legs. But the guilt and the shame that came with the particular decisions that he had made to cause him to be in the spot that he was in, for him, that that was the the crux. And that was the reason why he needed Jesus. Yeah, And so I think that's, that's huge. And, and you picking up on that. Yeah. His, his mental health was not in a good place. Probably severely depressed. Uh, because of those decisions. And Jesus in that moment heals him.
1: And I love, and I'll go back to this. I've said this in a few episodes already. I love how we have gone from one series of Jesus transforming our hearts and wanting to transform our hearts to immediately going to, okay, that's that's nice and dandy, but that's not the only decision maker, impulse maker (laughs) in our body. Yeah. He also yeah. has a very specific mission of transforming our minds. Yeah. And everything that, that's connected between the two. Yeah. Um and he 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 does that for this guy. Yeah. Totally transformed his his mind uh, to a point where he knew and I think you're right, where he just he would have been happy with just having that monkey off of his back, knowing that. That the the creator of the universe had just said, "Look, dude, you're good. Like yeah. I got you. You're good. Yeah. Uh, he would have cared less about his arms and legs. Yeah. Which is crazy to think about. Yeah. It's unbelievable to think about. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm curious if you can if you can pull up the last quote that you read. Yeah. For the for the message. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could read that for us, and I kind of have a question to go off of that.
0: Okay. Uh, this is from Henry Nowen. I forget which book it's from. I didn't have it in my notes, but Henry and you can Google the quote. Uh, it says, in a community like ours, and he's speaking about Christianity, we have put all the emphasis on cure. We want to be professionals, heal the sick, help the poor, teach the ignorant, and organize the scatter. But the temptation is that we use our expertise to keep a safe distance from that which really matters and forget that in the long run, cure without care is more harmful than helpful. Let us therefore first ask ourselves what care really means and then see how care can become the basis of community.
1: So somebody listening says okay that sounds great but break it down for me Pastor Michael what what is he saying we need in our communities.
0: Yeah so I think often in in Christianity we uh because we know the cure the cure has a name. Hope has a name, Jesus. Uh-huh. Right. Um, we're often at a point of like, Calvin, you just need Jesus. <laughs> like, let me fix all of your things. And how I fix all uh-huh. your things is just to say you just need Jesus. You just need Jesus. Right. Uh and I think about the the harm done to the LGBTQ community of like, y'all just need Jesus and he'll get he'll get your orientation and your yeah. proclivities and everything straightened out and everything will be okay. And then you can be in community with us, Yeah. right? Uh, I think about the race conversations in the 1960s and the ones that are happening in 2020s of, you know, uh, if you look like me, smell like me, walk like me, talk like me, then, then we'll be okay. Right. And you need to be fixed in order for you to be in community with me. And Henry Nowen points out that our job is not to fix people. Our job is not to be like, ah, I know the cure. Here's the cure. And once you do that, then you can be a part of the community. Um, Jesus' emphasis was always on care. You notice when he speaks to the, the man that's before him, he says, son, my son, your sins are forgiven. He cared. Uh, there's a story that happened just before um, this in Mark chapter one. There's a leper that comes to Jesus. And it says that in uh, Mark chapter one, verse 41, that Jesus was moved with compassion. Jesus truly cared for people and truly caring for someone means that I don't have an end game for uh, what I'm trying to accomplish with that care relationship because I can care for you. And then there will be a moment where it feels like a bait and switch, like I only cared for you so that you can be a baptismal number, so that you can be a tithe donor, so that you can be a button a pew that I can count every week. So that we get something out of it.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: That's what CURE does, right? And you can look at, uh, there's a lot of, a, um, oh, what's the word? There's uh, some distrust for big pharmaceutical companies or people that have the answer for XYZ disease. Because they can make a lot of money uh-huh. off of that, right? Uh-huh. They can sell the cure to something. Uh, and when we start, when, when we think transactionally that I've got a cure that I can sell you, then we miss out on what Jesus has actually asked us to do in community. Mm. He's asked us to care for people. And so the four friends that bring the dude before Jesus, they are a caring community. The Pharisees are the curing community. Mm. They are want to say, we've got the cure. We've got the patent and the license and everything else. If you do it according to the way we say, then you'll be cured. And the friends were saying, we just care. And we know that if we can carry you towards Jesus, we can carry you towards Jesus. And when I care about someone and I see them not as a a means to an end, but an end of themselves, that I don't have to get anything out of the relationship, then we can truly care for one another. Yeah and we can recognize the the level playing field that we live on that we walk this earth together we are all sinful human beings we're all in need of a savior and a cure and our job is not to prescribe that cure towards other people but to care them into the community
1: there's a there's a comedian who who says in one of his bits you know talking about his best friend he says the moment that me and you signed up to be best friends your problems became my problems. My mm-hmm. problems became your problems. And so, mm-hmm. in another way, as you were talking, I, I kind of got that idea. Is like, when we are in this thing of community, we're church members, or family, or friends, or best friends. Our battles become each other's, yeah. each other's battles. Yeah. No, no matter what. Yeah. And that guy, paralyzed as could be, became a problem for his friends. Yeah. Yeah. that they they didn't want to see their friend in that state, uh, and they did whatever they could, literally mm-hmm. roo- opening up a roof yes um to get him to the feet of Jesus yeah,
0: and you notice the contrast between them and the Pharisees the Pharisees don't take on the responsibility of the of the dude's care yeah,
1: you would have never seen four Pharisees pick up that mat and carry that guy. To yep. the temple or carry him to no. wherever. No. Yeah.
0: They would have been like, you need to go get cured before yeah. you show up here at the
1: temple. Or find a way to get here. Maybe we'll talk.
0: Yeah. Find an Uber.
1: Yeah. But I don't have any money
0: for an Uber. Borrow it. Yep. But I don't have a phone to call an Uber. Well, better start walking. But pray. I can't. I'll, I'll pray for you.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, And we've talked about that at length in this series already. <laughs> <laughs> um, at some point, you got to do the more than just pray. That's right. That's right. Prayer is important. Yeah.
0: But that's the first step of many. Yeah. yeah.
1: I have to, as we kind of end the episode here, I have to uh, commend you and give you some words of encouragement. appreciate that. For the series, number one. Mm. Um, but on what you've done here with Elevate. Mm. And because I think you and your team have created a community where the door is always open for one more. mm Uh, No matter what that one more may look like Mm -hmm. or no matter what that one more has done in the past Mm -hmm. or what we'll do. Um, And I think you and your team under God's guidance have provided a safe, backed, uh, strong place for anyone in this community to be a part of. So I wanted to throw that out there Mm -hmm. as we wrap up at least your portion of the series. And Mm -hmm. I want to just throw one more question at you now that you are done essentially sort of <laughs> i'm not leaving we're, we're going to keep it back <laughs> we're going to keep the series going uh but now yeah. that you've kind of given your yeah. final word where have you seen uh maybe the biggest impact of this series and 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 where where could you see this conversation going forward mm,
0: those are good questions um i think i I see the biggest impact in this series coming from people who send me text messages. Mm. You know, I, 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 I sit down in the the front pew in the auditorium after I deliver a message. And this series, more than any other, I I will receive several text messages as soon as I'm done. <laughs> and it it brings me to tears to think about it. Because there are people that are reaching out and it happened this week. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to share any names, but um, I'll share some things that people said, because I think this has been where the, the impact has been. Um, Hey pastor, uh, I want to thank you for allowing the Lord to use you today because I truly needed that message, especially after this week. And that was uh, in, in relation to to Jalen. Yep. Uh, and then somebody else this week messaged me and says, your sermons have really been speaking to me lately. And I just wanted to let you know that today's was really great. Uh, and I, you know, I can go back through my phone and and find um, text messages from people for sure. for basically every message that I preached in the series. And uh-huh. I'm humbled because I had a vision for where we needed to head that God placed on my heart and I jumped into this thing, not really being equipped or really having uh, mental health. Hasn't been my thing. Sure. <laughs> I had to do a lot of reading and I had to, I had to come from a place of humility and ask people that are smarter than me about where to head. But I feel that God really led. And for our cultural moment, the place that we are in, in our lives and in the world that we're living in right now, more than ever, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Yeah. Uh, and so that's the impact. You know you listener uh the the messages that you've sent me the of the life change that how this has helped you uh wrestle with and grapple with your own mental health and how it's it's brought about healing for you that's where i've seen the impact yeah. and going forward you know i i think that there there might be opportunity for us in the podcast to bring in some some mental health professionals and do some absolutely interviews you know I'd, I'd love to be able to do that um I see us continuing in the future with whatever series that we have, making sure that we're continuing to cycle back on what, what is this story? What is this instance or this, this, this piece of scripture have to say about our minds and about how we navigate this world. So I want to keep the conversation going. Um, And you listener, if you're in a, in a space that you need someone to talk to, we're available. We'd love for for to for you to reach out. Um, it's hard for us to reach to you because we don't sure. we know your face, don't know your name, um, but would love to walk with you in your journey. Um, and then also those of you, anybody that is experiencing mental health challenges, depression, anxiety, stress, um, you've been thinking about contemplating suicide. Uh, I encourage you to seek help. There's there's information and resources in the description of this episode. Call a hotline, phone a friend go to a website, seek the help that you need, uh, because hope has a name. His name is Jesus. And through getting into the word and getting to know who he is, and then seeking a community that's focused on Jesus that can walk with you, will be life and death, will be night and day for you Hmm. in your mental health journey.
1: Pastor Michael, thank you so much. Uh, Thank you. I I I pray that between the messages and the podcast, we have given hope has a name. Uh, do justice, mm-hmm. and we've given the idea that Jesus wants to transform not only our hearts but our minds. Justice, mm-hmm. and I'm happy if one person has been changed. Yeah, as long as it reached one person. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I know it's transformed me. Then I think we've done okay. There's the one person. We're good. <laughs> uh, and a few others. And out a there. few others. <laughs> so just like Pastor Michael said as we wrap up um, if there's anything you're going through just check out the links in the description reach out to us some way I don't know a DM if you have our numbers go for it Um, we're here to talk Uh, if you want to just sit and rant for an hour it's fine whatever it is we want to be able to be of access uh, to you as much as possible so make sure to check out those links in the description don't forget Pastor Michael's journey pray for him Thank you. And his wife, as they head out yes. on a 36-hour journey, I will take them to the to the wonderful region of Palau. Yeah. And we pray that everything goes the way that God wants it to go over yeah. there for you. You, the listener, if you've been impacted, blessed somehow, some way, shape, or form, share this with a family member or a friend. You don't know the impact that you could be doing by just simply clicking that share button yeah. and throwing it on Facebook, a text message, tweet, Instagram, whatever it is. And uh, we'd love and we'd appreciate that as well. We do this... Um, because God's given the ability to, but we do it for you, the listener, as well. Yeah. yeah. We thank you so much for your support. Well, Pastor Michael, thank you so much. You bet. My name is Kelvin. This has been Elevate Retake. And remember, there's always room for one more.